How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 188 of X Lapsed, where for some reason my laptop sounds like a uh, jet engine right now. So hopefully that's not coming across in the recording here. But I restarted it a couple times and it's still roaring like it's trying to get out of the room. And uh, I mean, who could blame it, right? Uh, now today we're going to be wrapping up our time with the Runaways here. This is Runaways Volume 5, number 35, had a June 2021 cover date. Story is called Come Away With Me, PTIV. I think that's part four. Written by Rainbow Rowell, with art by Andres Genole. Colors, D. Conif. Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna. Edits, Andrews Ballesteros, Wisniewski, Lowe, and Sabolski. Cover price, $4. Went on sale April 7 of 2021. Now we open. With a page and a half of Pixie and Nico in a loose embrace, making the googly eyes at one another. They finally shake themselves back to reality and congratulate each other on the job well done escaping the void last issue. Um, Now, they are, as we left off last issue, right in front of that rather sprawling estate. I'm not sure if they were transported there or if this house was always in plain sight, and I suppose it really doesn't matter. Molly yawns, to which Chase tells her it's time for bed. Um, It's still daytime, like barely midday, even. It's really, really weird and, and a little off-putting to me how they treat Molly as though she's like four, you know? Uh, it might even be weirder that she lets them do that. I, I really, really don't know. I just This relationship is very strange to me. Now, from out of the palatial home emerges a frantic woman. She asks if these kids might be mutants because, well, she really needs some mutant help at the moment. Wolverine rushes inside, followed by Chase and the rest. Inside, we see a teenagery girl sort of seizing up on the couch, and she doesn't want the Wolverways to come in. The mother pleads with the daughter, Jody, to let the heroes help her. She, the mother, explains to Logan that every time her daughter uses her mutant powers, there's a kind of double-back effect which causes her to seize up. She says it's been bad before, but it's never been quite this bad. Now, Pixie asks if it was Jody who attacked them in the void, and, I mean, duh, of course, of course it was. Now, she's got hallucination-type powers, and uh, she was trying to scare the heroes away. She doesn't want them around. Pixie tells Jody that they can take her back to Krakoa, where there are healers who can help her, and, well, Jody does not want that. She does not want to go to Krakoa. She does want not want anything to do with any of this mess. Nico then uses her wand or her staff in order to uh, take the pain away from Jody here. She says, like, refresh or reset or something like that. Now, again, when Nico casts her spell, we can see that odd ethereal woman in the background who we're about to find out is actually a man. 
So, uh, my bad. Uh, Jody is calmed, soothed, or whatever, and the strange feedback effect appears to be over with for now. She thanks the Wolverways, but tells them that she'd have preferred that they never, you know, just minded their own business in the first place, never showed up. Because if they hadn't come for her, she wouldn't have had to use her powers in the first place, which wouldn't have triggered this feedback thing here, so she just wants to be left alone. Pixie informs her that they're only here because they received her message. To which Jody says, she didn't send one. And, well, she's not lying. It was actually her mother who sent it. You see, she wants Jody to go to Krakoa so she can learn how to better control her powers here, to be out of pain, to control every, you know, the feedback. Jody ain't feeling it. She wants to be there with her mother. She even promises that she'll just never use her powers again, you know, because the powers are okay. It's just when she stops using them, she's hit with these seizures. Now, Wolverine informs her that, uh, well, you know, Krakoa isn't an all-or-nothing sort of thing, you know? It's not a prison island. It's not a cult. She's free to come and go as she pleases from Krakoa, which is to say she could be with her mother anytime she'd like to be. Pixie says that she knows Krakoa can help Jody control her power backlash, and uh, it looks like it's all settled. Now, outside, Jody's getting ready to leave. And we also see Chase carrying Molly out as though she was a sleeping baby. And, I mean, this relationship is really, really weird, isn't it? I'm almost surprised that Molly's dialogue isn't in the form of, like, goo-goo-ga-ga baby talk at this point. Now, Pixie tests her teleportation spell gimmick in order to make sure that she can get Logan and Jody back to Krakoa. If you remember last issue, it was uh, taken off the board, you know, because Nico casted that spell when uh, Wolverine and Pixie showed up. Now, you'd almost hope they would have just planted a gateway here in Griffith Park, uh, because that would allow Jody to visit her mother freely, and it would also give Molly access to Krakoa should she ever need it. Oh well, I'm not part of the Quiet Council, so I don't make any of those decisions. Now, before Logan and company leave, uh, Chase has to pull the tough guy act one last time. He gets, like, right in Wolverine's face and tells him if they ever try to take Molly, they're going to be in for a fight. Now, Wolverine, he kind of scoffs at this, and he's like, yeah, whatever, dude. And he tells him more more or less that they're not here to kidnap anybody. He tells Chase to, you know, hit him up if he needs anything, and uh, they're out of here, which is pretty much where the ex-lapsedness of this issue comes to an end, but not the issue itself. So uh, we are at the staples of the issue, so let's cross over the staples and take this one home, shall we? Now, back at the Flophouse, Carolina is... Well, I haven't the foggiest idea what she's doing. Uh, Is she flying? Is she dreaming? Is she having a dream of flying? Uh, I don't know. Whatever the case, we get a full-page spread of her looking all ethereal-like. Then, back in reality, she nearly walks right into Chase as he's heading out the door for a date. She comments that he looks all dolled up, to which, if that's dolled up, then I truly don't know anything about looking good, and I'm glad that I'm not a uh, teenager in the uh, 2020s. Now, he also says that he's wearing some Tom Ford cologne, whatever and whoever that is. I'm more of a Claiborne guy myself. And that's basically because my wife likes it, and she picks that kind of thing. From here, Carolina heads over to the couch where Nico is having a bowl of ramen or something, and Nico tells her they need to talk, which makes Carolina instantly think that she's about to be broken up with, which I guess is a proper teenagery reaction to starting a conversation that way. That is not the case, though. Nico just wants to tell her about the creepy evil magician who's living inside of her. 
and how it's thanks to him that she no longer has to cut herself in order to make that magic staff appear, which, to be completely honest, is a wrinkle in her story I had completely and totally forgotten about. Nico thinks that this is costing her a piece of her soul, which Carolina ain't cool with. Uh, It's also worth noting that Nico has been uh, using the absolute hell out of her magic of late. Now, Carolina pleads with Nico to hand over the staff. You know, we gotta get this under control. But Nico won't. Instead, Nico suggests that maybe they can trick the magician because he apparently loves games. Okay. Carolina once again asks Nico to hand it over, but she's steadfast. She will not do it. She cites past events where the staff was the only thing that saved her and her friends from some sort of threat. Carolina insists, telling her that, you know, if we're ever in a position like that again, we'll just find another way. Nico once again says she ain't giving it up, and she leaves the room. We wrap up with Chase arriving just down the road for his date. And it looks like it's with Gert. Um, I guess this is supposed to be some sort of mind-blowing reveal. But uh, without the proper context, for me, it kind of just falls flat. I'm assuming this is a much bigger deal for those of us who have been following this run from the start. Um, I, I have read the solicit for the next issue, which like wouldn't even show the cover, but promised it would be like the biggest Marvel comic of the year. And, well, if it's Gert and Chase in a relationship, I, I sorry, I'm just not seeing it. But uh, that's where we leave the issue, and that is where we leave the Runaways, uh, at least until uh, Wolverine makes another guest appearance, I suppose. Next episode, we got more children, and uh, they are the children of the Atom. But for now, let's talk about this Runaways arc. Now, to me, it felt kind of like a uh, throwback to a certain type of X-Men story. Uh, You've all heard me uh, compare some stories to uh, something that would fit perfectly well in an issue of X-Men Unlimited. And, um, you know, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. And uh, so no, uh, no judgment of quality is, uh, is, you know, is implied there. But this felt very much like that. Uh, you know, we would have stories throughout the 80s, 90s, early 2000s before uh, House of M and the No More Mutants thing. Where, you know, the X-Men would just, like, meet a new mutant. And whether they were to go on to become superheroes or not, you know, they would just meet a mutant. And sometimes it would end well, sometimes it would end not so well. And this feels kind of like that. Just like a sort of a, what we used to call a throwaway, right? It's just, we have this new character, Jody, who is a mutant. And I guess she's going to be spending at least some of her time on Krakoa now. So we have a new character that we'll never see again <laughs> but uh unless unless there is a uh a jody uh jody x uh jonathan hickman series coming out sometime soon uh, i mean they are adding titles to this line like crazy it wouldn't surprise me i suppose but i'm also not holding my breath for it but i mean i enjoyed this story all three issues of it i thought it was well told um i had a good time Kind of getting reconnected with the Runaways, even though I don't really recognize them all that much. Uh, the last time I read the Runaways was a long, long time ago. Um, I read the Brian Vaughn stuff, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I tried the Joss Whedon stuff. I'm not a fan of Joss Whedon, <laughs> so uh, I really didn't care for that all that much. I didn't I didn't understand why uh they would put. I, I, of course, I know why they put Whedon on it. He's a he's a big name. Whether or not I like him doesn't really matter. 
But uh, Brian Vaughn had a, a much better voice for these characters, and uh, Rainbow Rowell here has a really good voice for them as well. It's just a, a couple of generations removed from where I last left these characters, so it is a whole new dynamic. And um, there are things about it that I don't like. I did mention throughout the synopses is over the past, you know, a couple of times we've talked about this book that the relationship, the odd, like. A older sibling slash uh, cool aunt uncle slash young parent to child relationship that uh, Nico and Chase seem to have with Molly. It, it, I can't really put my finger on why, but it kind of skeeves me out. Like they they treat her like she is a baby. Like, and I, I I mean she's young, sure, but she's not you know a preschooler. It's like. It's like, okay, yawn F. Kennedy, it's time for a nap. What? No, no, she's she's a preteen at the very least, right? I, I don't think parents say that to their 12 or 13-year-old kids. Like, oh, it's nap time. No, I don't think that happens. But uh, it happens here, doesn't it? But really, I think that's my only... Um, I wouldn't even call it a negative. It's just an observation of uh, something that I just can't wrap my mind around. I just don't get it. You know, maybe that's the problem. I just don't... Don't get why they treat her that way. So that's really my only sort of kind of negative takeaway. Everything else I enjoyed quite a bit, and I actually am considering keeping up with this title from this point on. So, uh, I mean, I'm not exactly mind-blown by the ending here with with, uh, Chase and Gert. I really don't know if that is going to amount to anything or if it's something that... uh, I mean, I'm talking out of turn here for sure. Uh, folks who have been reading this from the start are probably, you know, chomping at the bit right now. And it's like, oh, the, 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 we've been waiting for this. Or, or then again, maybe you haven't been. I, I couldn't say I'm speaking from a point of ignorance even more so than, than usual here. Um, now, for the ex-lapsedness of this, we do get a new character in Jody. Um, Pixie's powers come back Because that was sort of kind of in question right? That she was worried that Nico's spell Would have nixed it com- her, her little hoodoo uh, completely Last issue But uh, no, she's good And uh, Wolverine Wolverine here is uh, He's kind of the Fonzie He's the, the coolest guy in the room But it works, you know, it works here We've got Chase trying to act kind of tough and get in Wolverine's face, which is a stupid, stupid thing to do. Um, and Wolverine realizes that the kid's just posturing, and he kind of just lets him get away with it. He's like, hey, you know what? Molly wants to be with you guys. She's a mutant, but she wants to be with you guys. You guys are taking care of her. She's in good hands. Until she doesn't want to be with you guys anymore, she's perfectly welcome to be with you. And if you guys need help, let us know. So I thought that was pretty good. Now, I really don't know enough about uh, Nico and Carolina's relationship, nor do I know anything about the evil magician living in uh, Nico's uh, psyche or body or mind or whatever. So I really can't speak to any of that. Um, Again, I I don't have the context for it. In my extremely limited experience with Rainbow Rowell's writing, though, I don't have any doubt that this is, you know, paying something off and leading somewhere. So... I can't say anything uh, negative about it, because I really just don't know enough about it to uh, say either way. Overall, though, I this was a net positive for me. I enjoyed checking in with the Runaways. I enjoyed sharing these issues here on the show. And um, adding a little bit of a you know mo- wider Marvel Universe flavor to uh, the X-lapsed corner of the uh, comics commentary community, I suppose. So... 
definitely worth a look if you're uh, if you're runaways curious and uh, are hesitant to jump in for whatever reason. This might be a good uh, gateway arc for you because it's it's got some familiar faces in it in Wolverine and Pixie, and uh, it uh, the story doesn't doesn't hold your hand, but it's written in such a way where it doesn't have to. You know, um, like I said, it's been years since I read The Runaways. There were some things I was iffy about, but I was able to follow the story, which you can't say for every single book out there. Especially, I mean, when you look back, we started covering Runaways with part two of a story, not even the part one of a story. And we were still able to glom on to the uh, to the wider strokes of the story and uh, keep up. So... Kudos to our creative team for that But uh, that's all I got to say about The Runaways um, Perhaps forever <laughs> Again, again, unless uh, Wolverine makes another guest appearance Or we find out that uh, when uh, when Bobby Drake was a was a, a time-displaced teenager He was a member of The Runaways and has a reunion with them Who knows? You just never know But uh, let's get into the uh, mailbag from here We're going to start with Damien Who's talking about Wolverine number 9 He says, did I just enjoy an issue of Wolverine? I'm slightly worried that this might be a sign of the end of the world. Yes, (laughs) it's a possibility. He continues, let's start at the beginning with the amazing first three pages. Adam Kubert is a genuine comics genius. He started strong and he just gets better and better. What I love is even at his most creative, he always puts the storytelling first. He really might be becoming my favorite Kubert, even surpassing his father. I suppose he's now at an age Joe was in the early 80s, so I wouldn't be surprised at his technical prowess. And yeah, Adam Cubit here. I, I, if I'm remembering right, these are the... Um, God, I think they're like 16 panel pages, but like they're not all filled in, so there's like some blank space, but it, it does tell the story here. And um, usually when I see that many panels crammed into a page, I think it's the writer being a little bit precious. I mean, I've talked at length about my uh, my distaste for the the knee jerk nine panel grid. You know, the this is the smart page, so pay extra attention, children. Sort of page that we get from certain writers over at uh, DC Comics right now. But like you said, uh, this was uh, incredibly well done here, very stylistically uh, appealing, as well as. Putting story first So we weren't lost Because it's easy to get lost in, a, in an artistic page, right? A page that's just set up to look a certain way Rather than to tell us anything It can be hard to follow Here, it wasn't Here it was just another page of the story It was just a really, really cool-looking page of the story Damien continues The appearance of villains from all over the Marvel Universe was fun It's rare for this sort of cameo to pop up Now that Marvel is so segmented I love the playful side of superhero comics, but it seems like that's now relegated to books like Gwenpool, rather than occasionally popping up everywhere. I was slightly disappointed by the mundanity of the artifacts for sale for the auction. I think they could have gone a bit crazier and brought out some deeper cuts. Overall, it was a great little story. It may be a little unfair, but I find myself wondering how Benjamin Percy will ruin it (laughs) in the next issue. (laughs) Well, I... I don't think he does. I think I think this one it it turns into fairly uh, standard um, pseudo espionage sort of fare, right? Um, by now, you've probably heard or read the uh, the subsequent issue of Wolverine, and I believe that's the uh, for the one last time ever the Wolverine and Maverick team up, right? I think that's where it is, and uh, we do actually get to see. Um, 
well, I mean, I don't know if we'd consider it less mundane, but uh, we do get to see a lot more Marvel Universe artifacts in that uh, warehouse in Houston, was it? I think it was Houston. Somewhere in Texas, I believe. But uh, we do get to see a whole lot of stuff, and those pages are always so much fun to kind of pour over. I do agree that the... uh, that the ones we got at the auction were a little weird, a little weak, maybe. I think like we had like a cyanide, uh, like a tooth that was full of cyanide, or a a, a tooth with a uh, like a movable thing where you can stick a cyanide capsule in there from uh, Black Widow. Eh, you know, I eh, I guess Black Widow's important now, so I guess we got a nod. Um, but overall, I don't think. Um, I think you'll be pleased with the way this one wraps up. It's not going to blow anybody's minds, but uh, it's. It's okay. It's okay. It's not, uh, the pieces don't all fall apart like, uh, I think we've become accustomed to with some of these stories. Now, Damien wraps up with, anyway, until Wolverine subsidizes his lifestyle by eBaying his body parts, make my next lapsed. And I tell you, I mean, maybe that's what X Corp will be about. I, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still rather trepidatious about checking out X Corp. Um, I've heard, um, some, Unspecific things about it <laughs> That are uh, Don't fill me with a whole lot of uh, Enthusiasm Or confidence in it uh, Even less enthusiasm and confidence than I Originally had so um, yeah, We'll get there I think it's like episode 205 or something we'll get there though We will get the X Corp but uh, thank you So much for writing in Damien uh, Next up Andrew Franklin talking about Cable number 9 he says, the first section of this issue made me really want to see more wacky capers with the Duggan and Noto cable. An adventurous 007-esque globe-hopping romp would, would have been really fun. Sabotaging AIM submarines, bar fights, and Madripoor, this is good space for Kid Cable to get up to those shenanigans. And you're right. Now, the opening of Cable 9 has him and uh, whichever his chosen cuckoo is, either Phoebe or Esme. I think it's Esme. I think Phoebe's with Quentin. But uh, he and uh, Esme, if it is Esme, are on board a uh, an AIM submarine, and they they sabotage it. They take care of the nukes. They send the beekeepers through the torpedo chutes. It's fun stuff. Um, we have him go to Madripoor to uh, to check in with Wolverine and ask him for some help, and he totally outs the patch uh, the patch uh, identity. He uh, is like, "Hey, Logan," and he's like, "I'm Patch right now." And then people overhear it, and there's a big fight. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff here. I really can't believe that um, this young kid Cable is growing on me as much as he is here. When I first saw him, I, I saw that stupid smirk. I saw the stupid haircut. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. And then they announced the ongoing, and I'm like, I'm going to hate that even more. But no, no, it's been a, uh, a bright spot in this, uh, in, this, uh, in this era. So I definitely would appreciate more of the same. Andrew continues. I didn't really see the point to the diver- in the diversion to Limbo. It just seemed like page filler. Though the whole issue could have been considered filler, and I say that as someone who enjoyed reading it. The final issue and the gala are right around the corner, and we can't resolve our story too early. The Limbo bit did feel a little bit strange. Um, because not only was he not working with someone who he might consider family, you know, like he works with Hope, he works with uh, Rachel. Uh, he works with Wolverine, who lives in the same house with him, you know, on uh, on the moon. And then he goes to uh, Magic. And it's on a whim, because 
It's like, oh, there are babies getting kidnapped? Did you know there was another time babies got kidnapped? <laughs> and uh, and someone else knows more about it. You should go check with her. And they talk to uh, Nastier or whatever it is here. The only redeeming bit about that scene was the fact that they uh, they sang that uh, that I would walk I would walk 500 miles thing from the Proclaimers as torture and as they tooted on their recorders. I thought that was that was funny. That really caught me off guard. And uh, I mean, you, you you could like see it just like just the beat of it that dun 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 just just beating on your head. It's like Chinese water torture, right? Just in in audio form. I, I thought that was a lot of fun, but the overall scene—it really did feel like they were, oh, uh, we're four pages short. Let's uh, let's do something silly. Andrew continues. I like the fight Cable had with Wildside. It was nice to see that some bad guys on Krakoa are still jerks, and that old grudges are not forgotten. Nate really felt like he was taking his frustrations out on Wildside, uh, which is a believable action for the hot-headed teen. It's true. It's true. He um. We've talked a lot about Cable, like, racking up a lot of losses of late, right? He really hasn't been his best self, and he's been letting himself down. He's been letting—he perceives that he's been letting those around him down. And now he has an opportunity with Wildside, and Wildside responds—he's going to him for help. And Wildside responds with sass. And Cable was like, I have had enough of your crap, and— <laughs> He just started walloping them. And yeah, definitely. For a hot-headed teen, for someone who just needs a win, for someone just uh, frustrated and at the end of their rope, definitely made perfect, perfect sense. And, uh, I mean, Wildside, in fairness to Cable, has a very punchable face. So I could, uh, I think we could forgive anybody punching Wildside in the face repeatedly. Andrew continues. As you're well aware, there's not much to say about this book in a good way. I like it, and I would like for it to continue. I hope Phil Noto gets to work on another X-Book soon. Obviously, we're going to get an older version of Cable back, but I wonder how big a role he'll have in the books going forward. I wouldn't have said this before, but I'm actually eager to see what Cable does. And yes, it's already um, been solicited, kind I mean, it's been solicited, but we don't exactly know what the solicit means, because... I think Marvel uh, realized that they kind of showed their hand and then they got kind of cagey and and pulled back a little bit. We do have that uh, crossover coming up. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy and Sword crossover, which is going to include a one-shot called Cable Reloaded and all of the promotional art for it, which is to say the cover. I think we've only seen one picture of it. It prominently shows Old Man Cable. Actually, it's all it shows. It's just Old Man Cable. So we know that he will be playing a role in this upcoming little crossover. And we also know from solicits that Cable number 12, this series, has Old Man's Cable's face on it. So we know he will be showing up. We know he's going to be at least making an appearance. We don't know exactly what the extent of his stay will be, if there even is a stay at all. Marvel's being cagey about it. I think they realized, oh crap, we just spoiled Jerry Duggan's story. When they put that solicit out for the uh, final annihilation bit for uh, the Guardians and Sword, but now they're walking it back. It's like, no, 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 this is something totally different. This is something totally different. But Cable Reloaded has a very um, Tom Muller uh, uh, typeface. You know, the, the, the logo for Cable Reloaded is in the Tom Muller Hox, Pox, Docs, Rock, Socks format. So. 
that tells me that for those of us following this era, that's a must-read. So it's not like it's something totally different, which makes me think that uh, that we are just getting the old man back at the end here. And and like Andrew said here, I don't know what his uh, what sort of role he's going to play. Don't know if he's going to. I mean, for all we know, he might take Kid Cable's role in Sword, and we never see him on Krakoa. We just see him in Sword, or. I mean, stranger things have happened. He maybe he'll join the Guardians. I mean, Venom's been there. Angel has been there from Spawn. I mean, Cable joining Sword would not be the craziest thing in the world. I can't say for sure that uh, if he were to join the Guardians, that we would add Guardians to the X Labs rotation. Maybe, maybe we'll take a uh, an official poll to to see if it's something that we want to keep up with. <laughs> if that does, if it does go that way, which it probably won't, but. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the uh, the summer of bloat brings us, because uh, we're getting a lot of stuff coming our way. Now Andrew wraps up with, So until we get the finale reveal of Kid Strife arriving to fight the old man, make my next lapsed. And at the, I think that's almost a guarantee, right? We have all these clones of Kid Cable running around. One of them's got to be Strife. One of them's got to be at least in the armor, right? I guess, again, we'll have to wait and see. But thank you so much for writing in about Cable there, Andrew. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, now over to Evan, who's talking about King and Black Marauders number one. He says, You rightly pointed out some logical flaws in the story that I missed because I was so excited about the not-X-Men helping, like, acting like heroes and helping people who aren't mutants. I was legitimately surprised that there wasn't at least one character saying, Who cares? Drop him off at a buoy and go help mutants. In fact, I, in keeping with the tone of the current run of X, I felt like there should have been, but I was happy with the results anyway. While I can understand a lot of mutants wanting to turn away from humanity and many doing it, a lot of these characters are people who have spent the better part of their lives striving for equality, not one brand of superior, superiority versus another. And I think in my quest to point out all those flaws, I kind of didn't see the forest for the trees myself here in appreciating the fact that, yeah, the Marauders actually stopped to help humans. Uh, they were on their way to uh, to try to snap Cyclops and Storm out of their nullification uh, over in the King and Black story proper, but uh, they ran into a ship full of uh, human traffickers who played dumb and pretended they weren't human traffickers, and uh, they got involved and were able to free those humans being trafficked, which is, you know, all well and good. It is nice to see the not-X-Men, you know, the mutants, the Krakoans, helping uh, out humans. Don't know that it necessitated a King and Black one-shot and why it couldn't have just been an issue of Marauders. Um, I don't know if maybe I held it to a higher standard due to the fact that it is its it was its own thing, you know, its own one-shot here. I was hoping... That we would get a little bit of the Storm and Cyclops stuff there So we wouldn't have to dive any deeper into the King and Black story You know, this is the big X-Men tie-in for this mass Marvel event Outside of the sword stuff that we had, of course And when we didn't get that, I was I was a bit disappointed uh, And of course, we did follow that story into a couple of issues of Savage Avengers And we still didn't get a resolution So, um... I probably shouldn't hold it against one and not the other, I guess. But um, you do raise a very good point. Evan continues, because um, during this issue, uh, the human traffickers are allowed to step foot on Krakoa 
as a uh, like a transfer station on their way to the middle of a desert somewhere. But those humans being trafficked, they have to physically take them somewhere safe rather than zapping in through the portal and then zapping right out somewhere safe. It was very, very bizarre here. So Evan continues with, uh, As for non-mutants allowed on Krakoa before Juggernaut, we now have Kyle, Northstar's husband, Deadpool, a bunch of human traffickers, and the invitation of the Scarlet Witch. Am I missing anybody? Well, yes. Yes, you are. Shogo, baby Shogo, of course. Uh, Betsy's beautiful blonde British brother, Brian Braddock. And, I mean, most egregiously, the, the, the one that should never be left out of any list, the sensational character find of the past 40 years, Jeff the Landshark, has been on Krakoa. Oh man, and I just realized I think horticulture were too, right? At least one of the horticulturists, right? Ugh, <laughs> that kind of spoils it, doesn't it? The juggernaut shouldn't even want to come anymore But it is weird how um, sometimes it's cool, other times it's not uh, Going back to the uh, juggernaut series there, it's like He's there with Black Tom at the end and he's like, I wish I can come with you And Black Tom's like, no, mutants only It's like, really though? Really, Tom? <laughs> I mean, he should just be like, yeah, it kind of sucks you can't come. He's just, no, <laughs> line in the sand, no, mutants only. Very weird how sometimes it's very, very strict. Other times we're just going to let a gaggle of human traffickers walk through. Odd stuff. And the champions can't come through when they're, you know, getting chased down for Kamala's lots. Odd, odd stuff. But uh, thank you so much for writing in about the King and Black Marauders, and, I, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Savage Avengers when you get there, because for all intents and purposes, that is that is basically King and Black Marauders number two and three. So definitely looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. But uh, that's going to do it for the mailbag here. Don't have a fake-ass comics history today because, well, we don't have any obscure characters from this issue of Runaways to dig into. I suppose I could do one for Jody, and I could just say... Jody made her first appearance in this book. And that's it. You know, uh, she she's currently on Krakoa, I think. That's about it. That's our fake-ass comics history for today, I suppose. But I do have something I do want to try to keep uh, on top of here. Um, I'm trying to figure out... I found the page on Marvel.com where they, where they list what they're going to release on Marvel Unlimited. And I figure maybe I should share some of that stuff here. Talk about what books are coming out And if you do decide to go on Marvel Unlimited And check these new releases out I can also tell you which episodes you can head to To check out our discussion of it And perhaps even take part So, for Monday, May 17th Which, as of this as of Not of this recording, but as of this upload um, That was two days ago And uh, we have four issues that we covered Being released on Marvel Unlimited and they are Excalibur number 18, which we talked about during episode 162. Juggernaut number 5, wrapping up that miniseries, which we talked about during episode 149. Sword number 3, which we talked about in episode 163. And finally, X-Force number 17, which we talked about in episode 165. Also, this week in the shops here, we've got two X-Lapsed books coming out. Uh, that's Way of X number 2 and Wolverine number 12, and those will be releasing um, as you're listening to the show. They are already on shelves. So something I'm going to try to keep on top of here, um, 
maybe on any episode that uh, happens to be scheduled to come out on a Monday. I'll just talk about the books that came out on Unlimited. So if you're following on Unlimited, you know what you can check out. And also, um, by Monday, we have a pretty good idea of what's going to be hitting the the shelves uh, on that Wednesday. So figure maybe we'll just add that stuff here. I'll probably post them on the uh, in the Facebook group as well it's for uh, folks to get a... Uh, at a glance, look at uh, what is uh, available or about to be And uh, maybe decide whether or not they need to go to the shop that week So um, I think that'll do it for today um, If anybody out there would like to write in, join the show Say a few words, please feel free to do so You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics Instagram at 90sXmen Or you could shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com you can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can talk to us on Facebook at 90sXmen on Facebook. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic commentary listening needs, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere you find podcasts and noise. And uh, if you like what you hear there, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, I would love for you to share the word. Share, no, share the show. Spread the word. I, you know, I, I should just record all this stuff once and just, like a macro, just play it because I mess this stuff up every single time. But uh, share the show, spread the word. That's what I'm saying here. It would really, really mean a lot to me. Uh, just uh, let folks know that this show exists. But I think that will do it for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Searching